sorry for me, I haven't preached much. Uh, but this scripture, see, there's certain things in the Bible, I'm just going to say it this way, and hopefully you can catch it if you can't think about it, and eventually you'll know I'm right. Certain things in the Bible are much more important than other things. I don't need to know where Paul stopped to eat on his journey to somewhere in the world. But I need to be in remembrance constantly of my redemption. If there's one word that describes the whole Bible, it would be redemption. I could give you a thousand scriptures today, but I only got time to give you about 12 or 13. I may skip over part of them. I don't know because I'm not trying to inundate you. You know, somebody said your mind can only take in what your seat can endure. There's a little bit of truth to that. Uh, but since we only meet once a week publicly, I think you can give me some latitude. And since I haven't preached for several months, except a funeral, you know, over at Jessica's church. But anyway, Psalm 107, this isn't in our list that you have back there. We'll get to that in a minute. But Psalm 107, verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is, a, this is a key to your future and your now and the rest of your life. If you don't talk about it, you're not going to have it. He's not telling us to go so, so, so. You know, that's a little preacher joke. I don't think it's too funny. But let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, if you know you're redeemed, you need to talk about your redemption. You know, we got a new word for it. It's called salvation. They're both the same word, but I like redemption better. And I don't think most people even realize what they're redeemed out of, much less what you're redeemed into. So my emphasis today is going to be what you're redeemed into. But we've got to lay some basic things here. So let me read this to you again. That's just part of the scripture. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What are you redeemed from? Let me say that. You're redeemed from spiritual death. Yes. Amen. You're redeemed from sickness and disease. Yes. You're redeemed from poverty. Yes. Those are the three main things you're redeemed from. There's a lot of things listed in Deuteronomy 28, you know, verse 1 through the end of the chapter, about 70 verses there. And you can break it down, but that's the essence of your redemption. You're redeemed out of those things. Okay. But notice what it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we've got to talk about our redemption, and in particular the resurrection. Then it says, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. See, that's a key to your future and a thing for your today, too. You're redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. In one translation, Amplified, I like that better in this one verse. It says, from the hand of your adversary. And we know First Peter tells us that's the devil. You know you've been redeemed from him? I don't think most people think like that, but you need to think in terms of your dominion. Either that or Jesus is a flat failure. How about me saying it that way? You think I can get your attention? He died to set us free. Yes. We just sang about it. He set me free. What did he set you free from? Poverty, sickness, spiritual death. Yes. And baby, if you walk in those three things, you're going to be an unusual person in this planet. Yes. A lot of churchgoers, a lot of church people on the planet, you know, people do statistics on how many do this. and I, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in walking in what Jesus provided for me. Yes. And if he provided for me, he provided for you. Yes. I'm not being selfish. But I'm committed, I've been committed for over 40, almost 50 years now to learn what I've been redeemed out of. My church didn't even teach that. They just thought the new birth. And honey, that's just waiting. That's just preschool stuff. There's a whole, whole tremendous revelation what you've been redeemed out of. How about this? You've been redeemed out of depression. 
and it's a billion dollar industry today just on antidepressants. And I'm not against medicine. If you need it, take it. Hey, I'm all for help for people. If you can't do it God's way, you have to go the world's way, which is medical and psychological. I believe in spiritual. Praise God. I got one amen and a couple nods, and I'm not sure about the rest of you. But listen, you're redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Well, how come then is it that it seems like everything goes wrong? Well, you don't realize you're redeemed yet, and you're not talking about it enough. You're not renewed in your mind enough. You're not believing it enough. Just stay with it. What's wrong with that? <laughs> stay with it. Yeah, just stay with it. All right. So we're going to talk today about our redemption. And we got to get this straight. The most important thing is that Jesus raised from the dead. I know he's virgin born. We could talk about that. But really, that's not the whole thrust of the matter. If he didn't raise from the dead... The New Testament says, you know, like, and they don't have this scripture back there. Don't try to throw up something I'm just preaching here. 1 Corinthians 15 says, if he didn't raise from the dead, our faith is vain. So if our faith is vain, we're all going to hell because you can't be saved without faith. How about me saying it that way? You with me yet? See, if he didn't raise from the dead, your faith is vain, our preaching is vain, I might as well just go have lunch and dismiss you because my preaching means nothing if you're not going to believe it. Because your faith won't work if he didn't raise from the dead. Everything God does in our life today is based on the fact that he raised from the dead. He paid the price, sure, he did all that. But he finished his work and raised from the dead and sent the Holy Ghost back to give us the new birth, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, his name, the name of Jesus, and and the blood of Jesus and all that entails the new covenant. And that's a big accomplishment. (laughs) All right. So you're redeemed, and primarily you're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Yes. You know, if you don't like what the devil's doing, for goodness sake, talk to him. Yeah. Come on. And be a bully. Yeah. Be mean about it. Yes. If you want to be mean to somebody, be mean as you want. Be as mean as not having on him. You know what I'm saying there? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Some of you, well, you got to go, Satan. He's not going to go at that. You're going to have to stomp your feet and say, get out of here. All right. Let's go to Philippians. Thank you. I'm right. Thank you. Somebody's got it. Let's go to Philippians. I'm kind of teasing with you, but not really. Go to Philippians chapter 3. I'm so glad Jordan wants me to teach. He's sweeter than me, but you're going to get a lot. (laughs) And I don't say that smart eloquently, but we're just different people. You know, hallelujah. He's your pastor, but I'm going to preach for a few weeks or whatever. So be ready. (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, you got my, you're going to put my scriptures up now, I think. I, uh, Philippians 3, verse 10. Here it is. For I'm determined, purpose is that I may know him. Now, wait a minute. That I may know him, not know about him. There's a lot of people know about him, but they don't know him. Let me say it this way. That's why people's lives that go to church are a mess. They don't know him. They just know about him. You can take notes on everything I preach and still die young. You can still be sick. You can still be messed up. You can still be depressed. But you got to know him. And really the Greek there in that word, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I had to take it and made good grades. Know him, it's a, it's a word that means intimacy. 
like a husband and wife would have, not just sexually, that's part of it, but the intermingling of two people becoming one. And that's what that means. I, I should, my determined purpose should be beyond anything, beyond my education, <laughs> beyond, beyond how much money I make, behind, but beyond anything else that I want to achieve is that I know him. Because I tell you, if I know him, and I do know him, he puts me over in life. He's the main person that puts me over in life. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. So what I'm saying, what he's telling us is that we may know him, hallelujah, we may know him so and continue to pursue that. I would say it this way in this generation because I've never seen a generation like this. We are so scattered. And primarily, my opinion, this is my opinion, I have a right to it just like you have a right to your opinion. Uh, you may be wrong, but I mean, I'm going to say what I think. Uh, is that we're just so scattered in our time. We give God tidbits. You know, if it's really important to you, you give him more time in your life of praying and praying in tongues particularly, but just spending time in the Word, getting quiet, turn the TV off. I'm not against technology. I'm against technology ruining and running my life. That's never going to happen in my lifetime. I'm not going to allow it. I'm just not going to allow it to do that because i got to spend time with God. Yeah, and you can use technology to help you quicker in some areas and help and be smart with it, but if you're not careful, things start running your life. If you go to school and watch kids when they get out of school, they got yeah. units, yeah. Uh, iPads or whatever they call all that stuff anymore. I don't even try to know all the names properly. I'm not interested unless I'm using it for my use. Yes. But what I'm saying is we've got to be careful. And then give me the next verse, verse 11. And this, that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while in my body. Get that. He's not talking about something I'm going to get when I die. You don't want me to sing the Baptist song, do you? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. What about the lousy here and now? Can we sing the victory now? now come on, catch up with me a little. Don't make me drag you through this sermon. I can do it. I'm big enough to drag, but you know, you get weighty after a while. Thank you. See, let me show you. Let me read from the King Jimmy. You don't need to put that up. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. See, everything hangs in the balance if I don't understand the power of his resurrection. So that's the first part of that song wasn't bad. So it, I don't know who wrote it, if it's Baptist or not. I just happened to grow up and a guy doing this up front, you know. But what about the lousy here and now? Has God got any hope for that? Well, I said that as a Baptist standing 10 rows back. I said, Father, what about the lousy here and now? I was coming out of drug addiction, alcoholism, immorality, and all kinds of stuff when I got saved. Right. <laughs> yes. And a lot of other things I won't mention, but... And he said, sure, there is, son. Just get in my word. Okay, here we go. And, that, of course, eventually that separated me from them. Yes. Not because I was mad at them. I just knew I'm going to be a thorn in their flesh if I try to stay with them. Right. And I wasn't willing to fight everybody. Yeah. 
that didn't want to believe nothing. So I just went away and did what God told me to do. And he's took care of me for over 40-some years, so I think that he's proven he's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm not against education, but I'm totally for doing what God tells you to do, no matter who likes it or who don't like it. That's what I'm for. You get over in that realm, baby, you're in a different realm altogether. You know, and the wicked one touches you not. You might have other people around you that get touched, but you don't have to be touched. Listen to me here. I'm talking to you personally. You, you have authority that you never dreamed of, dominion in your own personal life, but you're going to have to walk in it, and not everybody around you is encouraged about that. Not everybody around you is thrilled about it. All right. <laughs> okay, did you ever find Moffat for me in Colossians? Oh, great, thank you. Put that up. This, in the King Jimmy, it says, In him we have redemption, but this was one of my favorite scriptures of all time. I found I have a Moffat's translation, you know, in my library at home. And I look at those things, and he says, In him we enjoy our redemption. It's one thing to know you have it. It's the second thing to know what's in it, which I'm going to talk to you just in a little bit about some of the things in it. I don't have time to tell you everything. It'd be the whole New Testament. But, listen, I want to ask you a personal question. Don't talk back to me. Just think about it. Do you enjoy your redemption? Or is it a struggle to come to church to learn something? Is it a struggle to read your Bible every day? You ain't got time to pray every day like you should. Well, then you're not enjoying much of anything. You may be saved on your way to heaven, grouchy about it, <laughs> distressed about it when you're in this planet. Yes. See, Jesus died to give us something right here and now. Yes. If it don't work here and now, I don't want it. I don't know about you all, but I don't want it. Yes, sir. Yes. If heaven's filled with sickness and disease, I don't want to go. Would you? No. No, that's why it's called heaven. It's empty of that. Mm. And furthermore, Jesus said you could pray yes. to have the will of God done in earth as it is in heaven. Get your mind off sickness and disease and funerals. Get your mind on living for goodness sake. <laughs> I made my mind up a long time ago, no matter who I bury or who goes before me, I'm going to live out what I'm, what I'm told to do. And I'm going to stay true to God and just enjoy the benefits. See, enjoy. I'm asking you again, I'm at, just for your thinking, I hope you go away remembering this verse. It's not in your King Jimmy. It's not even in the New Living that I know like that. It's not even in the message. But it's in Moffat. He lived a long time ago. In him we enjoy our redemption. I read that one time 15, 20 years ago, and I wasn't enjoying much of anything. I got convicted. I said, Father, you said I can enjoy this salvation beyond what I'm doing and mentally, I, I find myself, I was not thinking complete about that. I hope I'm helping you. I know you don't want to say amen, admit you're not happy about it, but you ought to be enjoying your redemption or your salvation or whatever you call that. It's called being connected to Jesus and being in Christ. Scripturally, we enjoy our redemption. I enjoy coming to church. I enjoy some churches better than others, but I still enjoy coming to church because I'm connected to Jesus. <laughs> you know, yes. see what I'm saying? Some people don't want to learn nothing, so I don't enjoy that. But anyway, praise God. I'm just trying to help you here. So let's go to Ephesians now. 
Ephesians. Let me see here. Well, we got Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, and I think we got that in the Amplified, don't we? Thank you. It says, even when we were dead by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. Think about that. You're in fellowship today and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he, he, quickened, he quickened him for... It is by grace, his favor, and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you're saved. See, I've said that all along. You don't want what you deserve. You want what's being offered. Get that out of your head, that you want what you deserve. I want what's being offered. Everything Christ offers us, everything Jesus offers us, is by faith. It's not by my earning it. That's why some people never get anything. They tell they didn't earn it. Learn the truth here. It's because of him. Everything is because of him. If I've gotten anything from God, and I've gotten quite a bit and more coming, I got it because I receive it. I just got in the mindset that I just need to be a better receiver. And he told me one time, you're not a good receiver, Michael. You're a better giver than you are a receiver. I said, well, thanks for the compliment. Compliment, thanks for the rebuke. I'm going to work on the rebuke part. Which you did not deserve that you are saved and delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Next verse. And he raised us up together with him. You know, I've been saying this for probably 12 years, every place on the world in the world that I've preached, you're not a sub-heir with Jesus. You're a joint heir with him. What does that mean? It means catch up and sit where you sit down where you're supposed to sit. <laughs> sit down where you're supposed to sit. Sometimes we have conventions here and people are all upset because we didn't give them a place up front. They don't have a card with a name on it. They had sick in second row or third row. And some of them have tried to bully our ushers. You wouldn't believe people be so petty. And these are preachers. I was ashamed of them. If they're my sons, I, I talk to them about it. What's the matter with your problem here? We'd ask you to sit there. What's your problem? Sit where you're supposed to sit is what I'm telling you. <laughs> Sitting with Christ, though, everybody's got the same position. You're a joint heir. Let's, let's see here. Giving us and made us sit down together. We've been raised. See, we've been talking about resurrection. But not only did he get raised, we got raised with him. It says in the heavenly sphere. Oh, I, I missed this part. We've been and made us sit together, giving us joint seating with him. Joint seating. Can you imagine that? I mean, it, it'd be... I guess it'd be okay if the president wanted me to come sit by him in a meeting. I mean, I'm not trying to get that. That's not important. I, I run with great men already. And I run with the greatest man, Jesus. But he's asked me to come sit by him in this life here. Sitting with him. Are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. I've worked for 40-some years to renew my mind of where I'm sitting. And he just tells us, I'm just showing you some of the scriptures, could show you a lot more. Joint seating with him. And I was complaining one time. He said, Michael, shut that up and get up and sit with me. What's your problem? I got your first class seating and you're way back by the potty. Come on now. How do you understand that? See, I'm seated with him and he's flying the airplane. I got to go up in the front. <laughs> Hallelujah. By virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, it's not because you're a good person. 
It's not because you come to church. I know a lot of people go to church and they're failing in life. Don't be like that. Learn to identify with your seating. Learn to identify. Remember, we're supposed to enjoy our redemption. Keep thinking about that. It may not dawn on you for a while. Because you may be thinking, yeah, but you don't know what circumstances I'm in. You don't know what scriptures I'm using yet to reverse that. Learn to sit with him. And then it says Ephesians 1, I want to show you where you're seated. Ephesians Amplified 2, which he uh, exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. See, we're seated with him far above. This is where we're seated. Not just barely over. Not just barely making it. Far above all rule. All rule and dominion and authorities and powers and every name that's named. Whatever sickness you want to name, even if it doesn't have a name, it's destructive. And I've got a name beyond that name. It's the name of Jesus. And I've been seated with him. You and I have been seated with him. Far above every rule, authority, power, dominion, and so forth. Now, I love our country, but I've lived long enough to see all kinds of presidents in the office. And they're coming, you know, there'll be other ones in there before I leave, I'm sure. But the point I'm making is, if they did a lot to change my life, I don't know about it. I've known hundreds of preachers, and very few of them have had effect on me to help me like Dr. Dufresne did. And I have some good sons today that I respect greatly, and they help me. I don't mean just financially. I mean spiritually. Yeah, don't get your head in gutter over there. You know, because some people just think when I say that, they help me, well, they give you money. Well, sure they do if they're honorable people. I give God my money because he's honorable. Way beyond tithe. Have been for 40 years almost. All right, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that's named above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and world which are to come. Next scripture. He put all things under his feet. Guess where his feet's at? Is his feet sticking out of his head? That's a weird, weird creature. That sounds like something for Star Wars. But no, his feet are in his body, they're your feet. I know you think I'm just teasing saying this, but I'm not kidding you a bit. I got so fed up with the devil one time, I took a sticky tab and I wrote on it, you're defeated and I'm not, ha ha, and stuck it on the bottom of both shoes and walked around for a week and tormented him. Because the Bible says he's under our feet. He's looking up and saying, oh my gosh, he's getting this. Ah, what a world. You know, like the wicked witch. Yeah, you throw some water of the word on him today and she'll shrink away. Yeah. Hey, what a world. He put all things under his feet, appointed him the universal supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church. I want you to catch that. It's a headship given by Jesus, but it's not just contained in Jesus. It's a headship. It's a place of dominion that's exercised throughout the whole church. See, get, in, get, get in your right seat. Identify with the seating and identify with what the Bible's telling you. Why did he give us the Bible? To preach? No, he gave us the Bible to renew our minds. Yes. I'm just bringing some truth to light today Amen. about 
what? About the resurrection. Because he's raised, I'm raised. Because he defeated sin, I've defeated sin. Well, what if you sin? I repent quick and get back under the grace and get back under the blood. Because I know you'll be thinking that. No, you just work on yourself and keep moving progress progressively forward. And maintaining the fact you're going to enjoy your redemption. What if it took you 30 years to figure that out? I don't think it's going to if you listen to me, but... Well, would would it matter to you? You live your last 30 in a a total double dominion. Like Charles Capp said one time, he's confessing the word and he said to the Lord, Lord, I just feel like I'm lying about it. And Jesus said to him, Charles, you just keep confessing it and pretty soon it'll be true in you. And he said, I kept stayed with it, confessing the word of God, confessing what he was in Christ. I'm talking about Charles Capps here. I'm giving an illustration. And he kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And he got over it and he said, finally, I broke through into an area of faith I didn't know existed before. There's a lot of things you don't know yet. And me too. Me too. I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm talking to you. Let's grow up together. But if you're not talking the word, you're not going to get there. I don't know what I'm going to do now. What are we going to do now? Well, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to believe God. Well, <laughs> I made my mind up a long time before I knew any of you. I didn't know near as much as I know now back then. But somehow God, even with all my failings and weaknesses and mess-ups, he took me as I was and started working in me, yes. working on me, yes. working with me, yes. showing me more and showing me more. And, showing me. and I corrected the things that I was doing wrong. And I never say it don't seem like it. I'm beyond that. I don't say it don't look like it. I'm beyond that. See, you want to get in trouble with God, then you're really in trouble. Talking negative when he's giving you the way out like I'm showing you today. Start a seating with him. Get in your mind, you're seated with Christ. Well, how am I going to deal with it? I don't know how you're going to deal with it. If you'll pray enough and be quiet enough, God will speak to you. God speaks to me. I just buried my son-in-law. Wasn't happy about it at all. Very disturbed. I'm going to say something in a minute more about that. But I prayed and I said, Father, what? <laughs> do you have anything for me to tell my daughter? Besides what I could just tell her out of my heart. He said, yeah, tell her she's a woman of faith and she's highly favored. She's a woman of favor. So I keep reminding her of that. And God is just, I mean, I ain't even got time to tell you all the miracles already that's just occurred in two weeks and a lot more to come because she has favor. Because she's lived for God her whole life. And, and you know, you, you see, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from what Jacob was and is, but he's not here no more. You do know that, right? He's in heaven. He moved away. If he moved to Florida, he'd be in Florida, but he didn't. He went to heaven. Okay. I might as well say this to you because I I think it's helpful to you if you don't get mad at me. If you get mad, you're just going to have to repent because I'm right. If you let your traditions rule your life, you'll make the word of no effect. You know, Mark 7, 13 says that. You make the word of God of no effect. It doesn't do a thing for you because your tradition. So when I went to Jessica's church... That's where he pastored. I said, 
how long do you have to mourn to be official? You say that? Yeah, I said that. In front of your daughter? Yeah, in front of my daughter. Because I'm required to tell the truth to everybody, especially my own family. They don't want to do it. That's fine too, but I'm just, there's somebody listening somewhere. How, how long would you have to grieve for it to be legit? I, just think with me. Don't get mad at me. You're going to learn, miss the whole rest of the sermon. Yeah. Listen to me here. Is it a day, a week, a month, a year, the rest of your life? I know people that lived in grief the rest of their life and buried somebody back when they were 25 years old or 30. Yeah. And they just had never been normal since. They went on to heaven eventually. But what I'm saying is, you, I'm not a, there's not a magical time on that, but I'm saying... See, if you're into religion and not into the Bible, you'll think, well, I need to act like this. Well, I've cried every day for the last 10 weeks. Don't act like I don't have no compassion. I'm a very sensitive, merciful person. And I spent almost every day the last two months of Jacob's life with him. So I'm not saying anything wrong here. I'm just saying I loved him dearly. But the point I'm making is how long's enough? Maybe you don't know what I know. You don't can't see that. You think I'm being hardcore. You don't know what hardcore is. Huh? I said it's what the devil did to Jacob. Yeah. But see, you have to move beyond being sorry for people and feeling for them and identifying to moving them with you to have a destination to get to. Now, there's a lot of adjustments to make when you have children. And you had a lot of on your plate. I'm not, I'm not belittling anything here. I hope you're really listening to me, not just listening to my words, but listening to my heart. It help you a lot. And you got a lot of other traditions in you that weigh on you sometimes. Well, i got to act this way because that's what my parents did at every funeral they went to. See, I'm just talking to you here. I'm trying to help you here. Don't let tradition stand in your revelation of the word, no matter who it is. You couldn't say, I didn't love Jacob. I spent every day I had. Canceled every meeting I was going to. I'm still canceling meetings because I need to be here for a while. Just talking to you here. I hope you understand that. I think uh, some of you are grasping hold of that, and it'll play a bigger role as we get into it. So this is what we're talking about. I think there's another verse. Yeah, go ahead and flip that for me. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, for in that body... That's me and you. You know, he's not the body. How many know Jesus is the head? Spiritually speaking, he's not the body, he's the head, but we're his body down here. Lives in full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Well, that's encouraging. I say, Father, fill me with yourself again today. Every organ, every tissue, every cell, every nerve, every bone, all the hormones, all of this and that, just move in me and help me. All right, praise God. So I wanted to show you. Now, what I'm telling you is what is this power all about? I want to say this in a concise way. It's yours. All the power I've been talking about, all the authority we've been talking about in these scriptures, Ephesians, Philippians, and identifying with our seating. It's to say to you, you have power. All this power, Jesus don't need that power today. He's in heaven. But the body down here, I was reading Kenyon this morning a little bit. I don't remember anybody wake up reading Kenyon, but I do. But he said, you know, the earth cannot be touched with God without a person that's in the body of Christ. 
So I'm trying to touch you today with this teaching. Does that tell me how long I've been preaching? On the back wall? Okay, great. So the power is yours. What are you going to do with it? See, what are you going to do? I'm asking a rhetorical question. If you have power, what are we going to do with it? Well, we should be using it for God's glory. Should be using it for God's glory. Now, let's go on here uh, in the next verse. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, I think, verse 23 from the Amplified. Thank you back there. And may the God of peace. So this is what I want to say. How broad a spectrum is this power? You know, I went with my daughter to the insurance guy recently because settling things up. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> all state, safe for all of them, can't cover you like he can cover you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not against insurance. It's a good thing if you got it. But let me show you. This is how broad your, your coverage is from God in this power. And may the God of peace himself sanctify or separate you, separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy, consecrated to God, and may your... Your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound. That's the Greek word there in your New Testament. And King Jimmy, I think it says uh, a different word, but this is the real word, preserved sound. Your spirit, your soul, and your body preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, found blameless at the coming. It's not when you get there. It should be made sound right now. <laughs> your spirit... Your soul, your body. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. I don't know about you. I just know about me. My, my soul was the hardest thing to control after I got saved because my mind was all squirrely. I was like that Dr. Frank says, I was just a saved man with a squirrely mind. Yeah, because I didn't know any Bible. But this coverage covers you. This is what I'm trying to show you from this verse. That This Resurrection power covers you, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Yes. Yes. That's, that's you, isn't it? Yes. And when I say your body and stuff, and you know, you'd need food to eat and a place to stay, and heat and cold and warm, you know, and you know, cool when it's hot. I mean, you got it made. You got a bird's nest on the ground here. I've been all over the world. Some, we're, there's 1,200 people in a not, seem like not much bigger than this building, and no air conditioning, no fans, or nothing. You talk about sweating. I'm glad we weren't moved by how we smelled. <laughs> and miracles got miracles were happening everywhere. So I want to talk to you real quick here. I've been preaching 36 minutes. I'm watching the clock on the wall. You just watch me. <laughs> I want to talk to you about five things that I found. I found a lot more, but I'm only going to talk about five this morning. That our redemption gives us or the resurrection gives us, because he raised from the dead, he has, uh, how do I want to say this, Father? He has energized all the promises of God. And you're not going to get any action from God apart from his word. I hope you know that. You're not going to get it just because you come to church or just because you listen to a preacher on TV. We're not against all that. You understand that. I want you to get fed well. But it's... You have to realize all the promises of God are what gives you the movements of God in your life. And it wouldn't be worth anything if he hadn't raised from the dead. It wouldn't be working. His resurrection determined that he is king of kings, lord of lords, and he activated, if I can say it that way, Star Wars people, he activated 
put in the computer yes to every promise. There's a scripture that says that. All my promises, all of them. Say all of them. All of them are yes and amen or yes and so be it. That's double yes. So he wants us to have all the promises activated in our life, but you're not getting any unless you know what they are and you're willing to talk about them and say them. I think you misunderstand me like I'm not a real person. You ever have feelings and feel defeated? I'm going to tell that in just a minute here. But uh, I don't stay there. I don't stay there for anybody else's sake. And certainly don't stay there for my own because I'd be a mess if I did. And too many people are dependent on my faith. <laughs> okay. You'll get that someday maybe. I don't know, but maybe you're not called to do what I'm doing. But anyway, number one, this is one of the things that you're guaranteed because of his resurrection, access to the Father. So let's put up Ephesians 2. Do you have that one? Yeah, Ephesians 2, I think it's 18. For through him, through Jesus... We both, that's talking about Jew and Gentile alike, have access. You have access by one spirit unto the Father. I want you to see that. You have access to your heavenly Father. You have access to have fellowship with him. See, back to my original thought. I think, you know, I'm not trying to be hard on you. Just listen. You can learn something. If you're not spending enough time with God, my question is, why not? Well, don't you know I got kids? Well, I've had kids all my life. Now I got grandchildren. I had a lot to do when I started this church, and nobody knew nothing. We had to we had to just be gone five to six nights a week training everybody for everything. No, I'm serious. But I still made time for God and my His Word and prayer and things that were important to me. I made a, a commitment to do that. You have access to God. Now, listen, if you didn't. If you didn't have access, we wouldn't be talking like this. But since you do have access to the Father, your Father, your Heavenly Father, He's not God, He's your Heavenly Father. I never call Him God. I just call Him Father because He's my Father. I'm born of Him. And so I treat Him that way. He's my Father, and He's your Father if you know Him. But you have access to Him, and so you ought to take advantage of that. See, and because you have access, and if you didn't take advantage of that, then what's the purpose in him raising from the dead? That's my point. I One time I was younger then, a lot younger, maybe 30 years ago, and I had a guy that worked for me here. He was an executive at the company in Louisville, and he, was, he traveled a lot more than not. And he, he, I probably have equaled him and surpassed him now, but back then I was a pastor, and I wasn't traveling that much. But he took me up. We were in Cincinnati, and he said, Hey, uh, Pastor Jacobs, I want to take you in the club room. What's a club room? I never heard that term ever. That was that ignorant. And we went over, just looked like a normal door. There's doors everywhere down those terminals. You know, you're walking, everybody's sitting in their chairs and dealing with the airlines and all that. So we go in this door, there's a lady sitting at a computer. He gives her her card. She says, go up, push the elevator. We go up second floor, we get out. I think I'm in heaven. <laughs> Leather chairs. I went to the bathroom. They had real toilet paper. You know how much that means to you when you need it? It means a lot. You know the toilets downstairs don't have real toilet paper. If you're really a real person, you'd know that. They had Kleenexes on the tables. I felt like, wow, I'm in heaven. And then a guy comes over, you know, and says, would you like me to get you a drink? Uh, I get you a scotch or I can get you a Pepsi. Or get... I said, yeah, I have a 
you know, ginger ale or something, and would you like some nuts in a bowl warmed? I said, sure. And, you know, I learned something from that. I'm in a different realm because the other guy I was with had access. So after that, I got my own club card. But if I'm on long flights and I have a big layover, that's a big deal when you fly like I do. It doesn't seem big if you only go to grandma's once every other year. But for me, it's, you know, when I've, anyway. Okay, put up the other scripture in uh, Hebrews. Hebrews, of course, Hebrews. Let us therefore come boldly. I'm still talking to you about your fellowship with God. Because Jesus died and raised from the dead, he gave us access to him. And he says, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. And and let me change the word grace for you, if you trust me enough. If you don't want to write it on your paper, fine. Ability. That's what grace means. Or anointing. I like ability better, but that you may obtain mercy and find ability to help in time of need. That welcomes us. That's an invitation from God, the book of Hebrews, to me and you. Anytime I need help to come. Now, I'm going to try to tell this. I don't know if I could do it without crying. But uh, (laughs) like I said, Jacob and I had a special club going. I call it the Holy Ghost Club. Exclusive membership, just he and I, the Holy Ghost. And I would go out every day and we'd have Bible studies and we'd talk. And I took books like the Zeus Street Revival and Dominion by John G. Lake and Jesus the Healer by Kenyon and books like that. And Lillian Yeoman's book on divine healing. And we'd read several pages and talk together and I'd pray for him. We'd worship God together. And every once in a while he'd have to go to the restroom. He's in a bed, you know, in the living room there. Well, he can't really get up much. You could get on the side of the bed and he said, I got to go pee. So I would just take a walk outside and say, bring my phone, text me when you're done. Because I don't want to embarrass him. You know, stay there. How many know what I'm saying? So I went out to the truck and sitting there a minute and came back in. This happened. And uh, first of all, uh, on Saturday, no, Friday morning, his aunt was with him and Jessica was with him and the nurse was with him. Three women in the room. And he looked over there and goes, who's that guy? Well, immediately I knew that was an angel, but I wasn't there to observe it that day. And they said, what do you think that was, Dad? I said, it was an angel. They're starting to come, congregate and things like that. They do that when you get ready to go home. And uh, Friday at 1 o'clock, I'm in my truck driving. I'm not praying. I'm not, at that moment, I'm not trying to be spiritual or anything. I'm just driving. And the Lord said to me, Michael, he's going to come home be with me. Hmm. Well, you know, I was pushing the envelope. See, learn something from me while I'm talking. You could learn something. You always push the envelope unless God says to you, they're not going to come. They're not going to, you're not going to make that turn. But if he didn't tell me that, and my wife asked me that, we're way into this, what are you thinking? Uh, I said, well, I'm still pushing the envelope because God didn't. I said to her, well, that's what I can tell you. God didn't speak to me yet about this, that he wasn't going to turn it. It really wasn't God turning or not turning. It was just a lot of things. But anyway. You listening? Yes. Okay. So we had, he saw an angel that morning. It was a man. looked like a man. It was an angel. And then uh, I went out there that afternoon, you know, and we're having a Bible study. His aunt that was with him had left, and Jessica had left to do something, and the nurse was gone. It was just me and him, me and him and the dogs and the kitty. And, uh, yeah, Miss Sniper's the kitty's name. She likes me. Anyway. <laughs> 
So anyway, he said, I got to go to the bathroom. I went out to the truck, came back in, and this was an amazing thing. And oh, and I've been reading My Time in Heaven by Richard. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Uh, and so I came back in the door, and Jacob just was just, I mean, sometimes he was in and out because of the amount of drugs he was on. You know what I'm saying, pain medication. It was amazing he could even talk at that level personally. But anyway, because I was ex-drug addict, he was too. But he just, like, he just, he didn't wake up, but it was a different lane. I walked, I just opened the door, and he said, oh, my, do you spray some cologne? I said, no. You know, I wear cologne, but I didn't spray any on when I went. I said, oh, oh, it smells so wonderful. And, and he said, I'm so refreshed and strengthened. Boy, when he said that, something went off in me. This is something supernatural happening here. You know, I do wear cologne, but I didn't spray spritz up when I went out there for any reason. And he's smelling something I'm not smelling. And he says, these are the words he used, I'm so refreshed and I'm strengthened. And I could tell he was just almost excited. And I said, something's going on here. You know, I didn't say that to him. And I came home and got Richard's book, My Time in Heaven. You know, Richard was in an automobile accident, dead for eight hours. They tagged his toe and put him in the morgue. Don't you think they were surprised when he woke up? <laughs> eight hours later. But he said there was an angel escorted him once he got there and stayed with him his whole tour of heaven. And he said some things I wasn't allowed to look into, some things I weren't allowed to go down this street or that street or what. But he said I came into the throne room. I'm, reach, I'm, re, I'm reading Richard Sigmund's book. I had never read that particular part before, but I thought my answer is probably in that book. And, uh, and he went in there and he, and he said to the angel, what is that smell? He said, oh, that's God's fragrance. That's what he wears. And Richard said, I inhaled, and he said to the angel, I'm so refreshed, and I'm so strengthened. Exactly what Jacob had said three or four hours earlier that day. So then after we had the funeral, he went home the next Tuesday, the next Saturday we had the funeral, and I was here the next Sunday morning. I mean, I very seldom have affected so powerfully by grief, but I mean, something hit me when I was standing here at church. I think, Jim, you told somebody you'd discern that. I had to sit down. I was just overcome. <laughs> and God bless my wife. She got up and exhorted us to praise God. You know, the whole, about the throne, and, and, and people were kind of lagging. We just had a funeral, you know. See, again, you just, and I'm not making fun of your, what you experience in a funeral, being loving towards my family and towards Jessica. I understand all that. Listen to me. Are you with me? When I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, I think I'm just going to have to leave because I can't get it together. I'm crying uncontrollably. And I said, Father, you're going to have to help me. I know I need to hear what's going to be preached today. I don't want to make a scene because I'm kind of known around here. So a lot of people wonder what's wrong with him and, you know, how people think. So I said, Father, I'm just going to stand up and take a big breath because you said come boldly. And you didn't put any limitation on that scripture. To the throne, and I'm coming to you, and I receive strength, and I receive refreshing. And I dried my eyes, and I stayed the whole service. See, a little side thought there. Learn to listen to what I'm saying. I acted on that scripture. You don't have to have an event like that to act on it. I've acted on it a lot of other times, but I didn't know that about being strengthened and refreshed. You getting anything? Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go on here. Here's another thing we have. Ability to cast out demons. Got Mark before me? 
Thank you, Mark 16. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. It should be demons, but that's okay. Cast out demons, and they shall speak with new tongues. I take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. But notice the first thing he mentions that will be done for those who believe in his name. They will cast out demons. So you and I have the ability, because Jesus died and rose again, to cast out. And he was doing that when he was in the earth anyway, you know, before his resurrection, because he was sinless. He had authority even before the authority he now has in the new covenant, which is a better authority. I know you find that hard to believe that we could have more authority than Jesus, but he provided it. Yes. I won't have to leave you on that. I got to move on with the message. <laughs> Jesus had authority, but he said, my authority I give unto you, go into all the world, cast out devils. I just read it to you in Mark 16. That's part of it. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. You go, therefore, because you're in the earth. I'm paraphrasing another passage. See? But we have authority over devils. And we can, we can use it effectively. And I put up my other scripture, priest, Luke 10. Luke 10. This is one of my favorites. And the 70 returned again with joy. They'd been on a trip casting out devils and praying for the sick. And they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils or demons are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Keep going. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, two different, that's the types of demonic spirits, types of demonic powers. Serpents and scorpions represent demonic things that come against people. And I mean, you know, you just need to know, know some things about it. I got a good book out somewhere. I don't, we don't have a bookstore anymore, but you could order it if you want it. I have some. And it says, uh, and over all the power of the enemy. How much? All the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. <laughs> Learn that well. The devil's subject to you and angels are subject to you. I've heard people argue, try to argue with me. What makes you think you have authority to do that? Because Jesus gave it to us. What's wrong with you? Yeah. So we have authority over evil spirits and we have authority over angelic spirits too. If you're speaking the word, releasing in them in faith and things like that for not silly stuff, you know what I mean. You'd have to, I'd have to teach you about that more. But. So these are some things. So far we've just read two of them. We've got a few more to talk about real quick here. Number three, you have power to overcome fear. Go ahead and put up my first scripture I gave you, please, or I gave Jordan. On fear, I think it's Job, maybe. I don't, could be something. No, it's Job. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. Listen, get rid of all the fear in your life because whatever you're afraid of is coming. Yeah. See, you, you know, if we were in faith, we wouldn't say, well, what's the economy going to do? No, you just say, God is my source. I have a supply. I have a supply. You're catching on. I have a supply. <laughs> My God shall supply. So I have a supply. You see, when I'm, that's a scripture. Not just a refrigerator scripture that you look at when you get your orange juice in the morning and then forget it for the rest of your life. No, it's, you have a supply. And because for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. What about disease and sickness? 
By his stripes, I am healed. Jesus bore, I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, but see, whatever you're afraid of will start trying to come upon you because fear is like faith in the reverse gear. Faith brings all the promises to God to you and causes them to manifest or to come over into this normal, natural realm we're living and begin to provide for you. Faith will do that with all the promises. Yes. Not just for healing or, or whatever, but everything you need is in Christ. Yes. And then, you know, fear is the reverse of that. It brings all the curses on you. Yeah. I'm so afraid I'm going to get, you just fill in the blank. Don't be afraid you're going to get anything. Say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, and I am healed by his stripes. I'm healed. Jesus took that yes. and named that, if you're afraid of. He took that away, and I'm redeemed, from, I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Yes. Galatians 3.13 says that. I'm not showing that tonight, today. And he says, and that which I was afraid of is coming to me. Don't stay in fear. You might be a little intimidated initially. How do you think I felt when I moved to Louisville? I didn't have a job. She didn't have a job. We didn't have any kids back then. And uh, I had enough money for one month's rent. Mm -hmm. Her dad was a very brilliant man, a very humble man, a Tennessee farm boy that became a who's who in America in the scientific world. He was a metallurgist, had a doctorate in it taught physics and all kinds of stuff and was head of the materials lab in Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, invented stuff that helped the rockets come back from outer space without burning up the people inside. He helped with that. He helped with the pumps up in Alaska when they made the Alaskan pipeline. They couldn't get the metals right because the pumps broke. It was too cold to deal with that after a period of time. He was a brilliant man. And he and I kind of had it out. I loved him, but he, he said, you're going to take my daughter and go down to Louisville, Kentucky, and you don't even have a job. How much money you got? And I said, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars, enough to rent a, a thing, and we'd rent an apartment. He said, well, how are you going to live? I said, God's going to take care of us. God's going to take care of you. How do you know that? God told me. God told you? Oh, I mean, we had it out in the barn that day. We were having a big barn sale, and he got me down there by myself. He let me have it, and I said, and, and I was sweet about it. I said, well, Lee... You're a scientist. All I'm telling you is I heard from God. I can't be any clearer. And besides that, she's my wife. I know she's your daughter, but she's my wife now, and I'm going to take care of her. I would never put her in a position to not take care of her. And I don't know how to tell you this, but God's going to take care of us. See, a scientific mind, an analytical mind, would say you're crazy. And that's what he said. I used to think you had some sense, but I doubt it now. And this is my father-in-law talking to me. I'm going to move in a week. He go to this Bible school right over here. I'll pay your full tuition. I had Cedarville Bible College, less than two miles from where I lived on the farm. I'll pay for full tuition and everything else. You can stay right here on the farm. I said, God didn't tell me to go there. I didn't want to go to Louisville, but God told me to go there. I wanted to go to Florida. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You're not listening. So eventually, two or three years later, he called and he said, you know, Michael, you were right. You heard from God. You heard from God. <laughs> Hallelujah, see. But see, when I came, you know, if I let that get in me, and I mean, we had a lot of obstacles. I don't have time to tell all the stories. My car broke down down here. I had to take a bus back home. If you ever take a bus anywhere, they stop in every city. <laughs> oh, my gosh. God delivered me from buses. Anyway, 
But he said the thing that he feared was come upon him. He said, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Give me the next verse, please. Whatever I gave you there. For as much Hebrews. Now you're beginning to understand at least a little bit why I put so much premium on Hebrews. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's me and you, he also, Jesus, likewise took part of the same, that through death, his death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now destroy him there means to make of no effect. He didn't just annihilate him. The devil's still around. You know that, don't you? I don't need to tell you that, do I? Okay. But that word destroy there in this verse, in the Greek, means to have no effect over us anymore if we learn to walk in our redemption. So it had been teaching you for almost an hour. It said that through death he, Jesus, might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Even, even Jacob, he didn't die. He just had to leave his body. Yeah. Jacob is alive. Yeah. More alive. More alive. I told the boys that. Yeah. Your dad is more alive than he's ever been. Yeah. Hallelujah. And didn't somebody see him? Yeah, some other person, huh? Somebody had a dream and saw him in heaven, talked to him. <laughs> anyway, a lot of stuff going on. You, you know, praise God. Part of the family's in heaven, part of us are in earth. You know, we're sorry that he went home early, but nonetheless, he was faithful. Hallelujah. And deliver them, now listen to this, who deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Don't be like that. All your lifetime subject to bondage. I've met people when they got older, they said, you know, I thought I was called like you when I was 30, but I was too afraid to go into ministry. How God going to provide for me? And now I'm 65. And I said, well, go in at 65 if you want. If you got faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. You getting anything? See, we have such a redemption that covers us. In all of these different dimensions. Are you listening? We really do. Here's the next one, number four. I'm going to run through this quick and maybe, maybe talk about the last one in a second. The power to overcome sins, habits, and bondage. Yeah, the power to overcome sins, habits, and bondages. Uh, did I give you Romans 6, 4? Okay, put that up, please. In the Amplified. We were buried, therefore, with him. By the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too, now watch this, might habitually live and behave in newness of life. That's talking about now. It's not talking about when we get to heaven. Really, when we baptize you in water, that's, you're really baptized into Christ when you're born again. That's your first baptism. But then you're water baptized, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in. It's a symbol of what took place when you received Jesus. And you died with him. Now listen to me. You died on the cross with him. You know, Galatians 2 and what is it, 20 says, uh, <laughs> I can't remember it right now. Hallelujah. Huh? Yeah, I've been crucified with Christ. And actually the Greek says, I was crucified with Christ, not I am. I was crucified with Christ. I'm talking about Galatians. Now leave that up there a minute. Uh, so that not I live, but he liveth through me. 
See, you've got to identify with Jesus. Sometimes we just identify with, like, the passion. I went and saw that, and I cried through most of it like everybody else, and I was touched by his, his humanity and how he was beaten and tormented, and yet I was so thankful he did that so I didn't have to be tormented. I didn't have to be sick. I don't have to be, you know, all the things. And that's why he did that. But identify with your death in him, and you've been raised to walk in newness of life and habitually live in that. That's what I like, habitually live, like I'm walking in newness of life. In fact, I made that my confession many years ago. I'm walking in newness of life. I'm walking in newness of life. Yeah, and, I, and you can still go to work every day. I'm walking in newness of life. Yeah, and still pay bills every week. I'm walking in newness of life. Begin to renew your mind to these things. It'll change the way you think about what Jesus did for you. I'm not pushing you. I'm just saying I don't understand why humans would not want every bit of what he did when he shed his blood. This is what I'm talking about, really. Not just to get me to heaven. I mean, that's included. That's one of the perks with being saved. But that's not the whole thing. He came to put heaven in us on this planet. I mean, you know, back in Deuteronomy, how many know Deuteronomy's way back in time? Several thousands of years ago, and even Deuteronomy 11.21 says that you could have days of heaven upon the earth under the old covenant. They didn't know nothing about speaking in tongues. They didn't know nothing about Ephesians. They certainly had never read Hebrews. And he said even back then you could live so upright in that old covenant that you could have days of heaven upon the earth. So how much more do you think this new covenant would provide for us? Somebody say, well, that just sounds too good to be true. It is too good for your normal, natural mind. Get out of your head. Get into your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put up Romans 8 for me, sir. Thank you. Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the spirit of life... That's in Christ Jesus, and that's where you're at in Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Are you listening to me? Yes. Well, I say it this way. I think I'm going to stop with this. I was going to talk about something. I think I'm going to just stop with this because of my time. But if you took a chalk, if I had a giant chalkboard, an invisible chalkboard to you, the law of the spirit of life over here. And the law of the spirit of death over here. And, I, and you start listing the things. This is the law. Of the, uh, let's see. The law of sin and death. Sins, bondages, habits, dis, de, depression, distresses, disease. On and on. Just you can imagine what goes in that list. Everything that would torment your life. Everything that would belittle you. Everything that would put you down. Guilt. You go over here. You got the new birth. You got being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues, and that's just the beginning. You can speak in tongues the rest of your life, like many of us haven't got further over in it. The gifts of the Spirit got joy, got peace, got strength, got endurance, got victory. <laughs> huh? Got a supply. Everything that blesses your life, everything that completes your life, everything that's helpful to helpful to your life is listed under the law of the spirit of life. So whatever you're dealing with over there, you need to apply this law to that over there and it'll nullify it.
You know, I know people say, well, how much can you take? Well, I can take whatever I need to take. I don't know about you. Just talking about me. They say it was easy, it's just attainable. But it's not because I'm something hot rod. It's because Jesus is, he's my all in all. Trying to help you identify with him. Be seated with him. Where's that? Far above. All authority, powers, dominions, whatever names go with stuff that hurts humanity and destroys humanity. That's under the curse of the law of sin and death. But over here, we got the law of the spirit of life. It, it, it trumps. I'm not talking about president now. It trumps that over there and gives you that instead. Hallelujah. Get anything out of this today? Hallelujah. I just, I just don't feel led to, to go any further, and I've been talking 65 minutes a long time. Hallelujah. Stand up with me, please, for a minute. I wonder if there's anybody here, and most of you I know, sometimes I see people I've never met before, don't know your name or anything, but today as a preacher here, I'd like to ask you if you don't know you're saved, you don't know you're going to heaven, you don't, you're not sure of it or there's some uncertainty with that, I'd like you to come up here and let me pray with you to get that resolved, and then somebody in the church can give you a booklet or help you, you know, when you get ready to leave. Does anybody need to do that today? Anybody at all that you, you feel like you, you're unsure about your salvation? Because that's key to everything, getting saved and knowing that you're saved. You just need to know that you know, don't you? Hey, I did that, and everybody that something did that, you know what I mean? What I mean is, you know, whether it's in your car or at home or you're listening to a radio preacher or whatever. I was a drug addict, drug dealer, and totally messed up. Went to church, and I said, just to be with this girl, I thought she was kind of a good-looking girl, and I wasn't really motivated. But see, God had an ulterior motive, got me there. And the preacher, I don't remember what he preached. I just remember at the end he said, bow your head and ask God if you know him. And I was raised in church and had all I wanted at church. That's the way I felt back then. It was kind of boring. Of course, some of that was my own fault. Some of it was the religion they taught. They didn't teach the Bible like, I, like we do here. But anyway, I, whatever excuse you know, was, I was using. And I bowed my head and I said, Lord, do I know you or not? And he said, no, you just know about me. Because your mom made you go to church. But he said, if you'll come tonight, Michael, walk that aisle and come down here. I'll, I'll make you a new person. And I got up and came down with all those teenagers. I was 21 years old, had a long ponytail. <laughs> I, was, I was a wild person. Anyway, and gave my life to Jesus. And I never, ever doubted that ever since that moment. Never, ever did I doubt. I mean, I've had other things that sometimes I, but never, ever doubted that since that moment. Hallelujah. It's important that you nail some things down and settle it. That's all I'm trying to say to you. I know most of the people in the church like this are already saved, but just thought I'd make that available. And I'm so glad I did. I didn't know nothing about what I taught you today. That just came because I just kept on trying to know him better. You know, when I was a drug addict, I kept trying to be a bigger drug addict because I was going to push the envelope back then. And when I got saved, I said to the Lord, Lord, I've done all that for the devil and my own pleasure, but I'm committed to try to find you and know you more than I know you right this minute. And I just pressed on, pressed in, you know. Even my own home church and a lot of my friends back home when 
they loved me up to the point I got spirit filled and believed in healing. Then they turned on me and said, we don't like you no more. You need to leave. Okay. I was at a party. They were having, you know, potato chips and sandwiches. And they said, you speak in tongues like that, like it was a sin. I said, well, yeah. Well, we don't, we don't know you anymore. I said, well, evidently not. I'm not trying to preach to you. You should. I'm just telling you I do, and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> and other things as it went on. You know, sometimes you take persecution, but I appreciate going on with God more than I don't like the persecution. Yeah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, I just pray for this congregation today as a group. I'm asking you to try to write these things in our hearts that I've spoken, that you've used my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, and that you'll just bring further revelation to each person who, who meditates on what we've said. Maybe they've taken notes or wrote the scriptures down or whatever, or the podcast or whatever Jordan's going to do with it. We just pray that, Father, their enlightenment will come even on a greater scale to see what we have access to in Christ Jesus. We thank you for a great inheritance in Christ that you've given us, Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody said...